Hey guys, it is Lou here from Aegis Comics of Alaska, and I am with my buddy, Kevin Green. How you doing today? Good, good. How you doing, my friend? Doing good, doing good. We, uh, we both work out of a brokerage called Elite Real Estate Group here in Alaska, out here in the Matsu Valley. We're currently out of the Palmer office. Yeah. Um, we have multiple offices now, though. I, uh, yeah, we're up to five, I think. Yeah, we have three in the valley, one in Anchorage, and we just opened up one, or opening up one down in Soldatna. Soldatna, that's right. So, uh, this segment of the podcast we're calling Comics and Cribs. We're recording this live from the uh, uh, from the comic book shop here in downtown Wasilla. It's a coffee and comic book shop, and uh, you may hear some talking or kids in the background. It's a, co- it's a coffee, yeah, uh, comic book shop. We want to give you a feel for what it's like in downtown uh, uh, Wasilla, in a town in Alaska. So. Um, <clears throat> The market right now. Market's crazy still. It's coming back to life again after uh, kind of a slow winter. Yeah, uh, I'm worried because we're having a. No, first off, for the audience, for those of you that don't know, we're both licensed uh, realtors in the state of Alaska. And uh, we're, we're looking at right now, uh, for me anyway, bidding wars on anything under like 350000 It's a bidding war. I've seen it as much as for the right property. I was in one for right at five hundred. Wow. And that we they was 15 offers and it went 40 above asking. And uh, that we were not yeah. We weren't expecting that because it was after such a low or a slow uh, winter, it was a shock to find out we were in that much competition. Yeah, and I think the days on market's a little deceiving, too. Yeah. You know, because some of the sellers are saying, no, we're going to hang in there until we get Mm -hmm. the absolute best offer, which is... Yeah, the right right house will go quickly, and it will go with a lot of uh, interested competition out there. Yeah, it's getting to the point that I dread that uh, multi-offer. Especially after the the last two years that we've had it. I got used to it, and then... Got used to not having to do that. Yeah. <laughs> now it's uh, back, it seems, and we just got to bring that dust off those uh, battle sleeves and get going back at it. No kidding. Uh, f- from the seller side, it's looking pretty good. From the buyer side, it's just a little challenging right now. Because, it's, yeah, you know, it's still it's still a decent time to buy. I know people are scared of the interest rates and everything, um, but we're, we're getting close to pre-COVID interest again. And yes, uh, I don't. I mean, the two percents were pretty awesome. I don't. Yeah. I know when you're comparing it to two years ago, it's going to be tough to justify. But it's still a good time to to get into something, just because whenever you're able to do it, it's a good time to do it. It's right for you and your family. Yeah. The the speculation right now is that interest rates will will inevitably start dropping again, at least for yeah. the summertime. So. Yeah. Uh, over, I know over the next two years, I've heard from multiple lenders now that they're planning a slow decline uh, or decrease in the, the rate. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, because uh, um, I think you'll see um, people that purchase now will just refinance. So that's why I'm wondering if uh, we're going to be seeing uh, a lot more of the uh, uh, adjustable rate mortgages start popping up again. I'm scared of those. Yeah. <laughs> those can be so tricky. Um, but it, it is definitely a tool that you can talk with with your lender and make sure it works right for you. As long as you have a plan, it can be something you can execute properly. Yeah, because it, it, those work 
if there is a decrease in the future. Mm-hmm. If there's no decrease yeah. and nothing's a guarantee. Uh, right. And, and as long as you have a plan and an out and as long as you have all your exes covered up, you're uh let's say you definitely talk with your lender about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and we're not lenders here. Uh we we try to uh give the best advice that we can to uh, our buyers and sellers and uh, from what we're hearing from our lenders mm-hmm. and what we're seeing out in the market right now. But yeah, that at the end of the day, you got to speak to your lender. Yep. Uh, any lenders that are looking to become sponsors of this podcast, give us a call. Give us a call. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll give you a shout out. Um, there's very few lenders uh, that I endorse right now, and I think it's because uh, I just did a transaction uh, where, uh, unfortunately, it looks like the property is going to go into foreclosure, mm. and it shouldn't have. And I was representing the seller, but. Uh, the bank was an out-of-state bank. I never spoke to the same rep twice. It's hard with those those big-name ones. Ever. So, I always try to deal and recommend local, even if it's a, you know, maybe it's a national program, but as long as they have somebody in the state that knows how we are and everything yes. we do, we're such a unique market out here that a good lender can make or break any type of transaction for you. Oh, hands down. Uh, there's certain there's certain lenders that when the sellers see that lender on the contract, they're like, no, mm-hmm. pass, I've hard had, pass. I've had sellers offer my buyers, uh, or my buyers discounts if they were to switch lenders to somebody that was better. It's, yeah. I mean, that's a questionable practice sometimes, but you yeah. know who you want to work with some, and who you definitely don't want to work with. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with they're getting a kickback or anything else. They, mm. they just want the transaction to go through. Yep. That's all they're looking for. Yep. Transaction to go through in a timely manner and, a, and a, an underwriter that's going to actually do their job in a timely mm-hmm. manner, not wait until a day before closing to yeah. make a decision. Yeah. Because that just causes way more stress than is necessary. Mm-hmm. What I like to do with all my buyers is I, I get a feel for them. I talk with them and see the kind of personality that they're all working with. And then I meet with several lenders on a regular basis. I have about three or four that I like to keep in rotation, but I don't recommend just one person. I like to give them a description of all three of my people and uh, let them meet and talk and find out which one would be the right fit for them. Because I think it's all about the right fit and chemistry. And if it works out, then it works out. If it doesn't, we'll find somebody else that'll work for them. Right. Yeah. I, the big thing is the communication, man. Definitely. Yeah. The, you know, I'll, I'll get lenders that'll I can text and they can text, you know, so we can find out what the status of things mm-hmm. are, right? You know, if they need anything from me or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, you know it, that's the buyer's responsibility. But, uh, uh, you know, when we can help, we try to help by answering questions in a timely manner about the property or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, it seems like when you can't or your buyer can't get a hold of the lenders and can't get questions answered for the title company, yep. that's a nightmare. It is, definitely. I've had, actually recently, we've, we had to switch lenders from one of my buyers because we just didn't know what was going on. and. We couldn't get in touch with them. They wouldn't wouldn't talk to me, or they wouldn't talk to them. And then they were talking to somebody not even related to the transaction. So it was it was a nightmare. Yeah, uh, I've seen recently where the loan got transferred to another company before it even oh before it closed before it closed. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, wait, no. So then they had to bring in another underwriter. That's that's just a. Dis- recipe for disaster there right yeah you know and it used to be the only issue was buyers making bad decisions prior to closing opening up a new credit card 
buying a brand new vehicle, yeah. buying brand new furniture. I just saw a post know. last night. I'm on a couple of uh, realtor like social media forums, and it was my buyers. We just went into contract after searching for the perfect home for over a year. They go on vacation and they spent their entire down payment, and so they lost twenty two thousand dollars right oh, off the bat. They're not even God. done with vacation yet, and they're going to have to figure out a way to get the transaction going again. My God. You definitely got to be careful when you're a new buyer. Don't buy all that furniture. Don't buy all the appliances right away. Talk with your lender before you make any big purchases or transactions. And it can, it can Well, it's there. funny because a lot of the new buyers try to rationalize it. Well, mm-hmm. I, I just got this credit card to buy this furniture to make the property more valuable. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's all about debt-to-income ratio, and yeah. the underwriters are going to see red flags if your debt-to-income ratio increases suddenly. Mm-hmm. You don't own the house until the keys are in your hand. That's right. So That's right. You don't and need to get the stuff for it just yet. Yeah, they, uh, uh, we've cautioned people not to buy anything for at least a week after they closed, you know, opening up credit cards and mm-hmm. everything else, because that could, that could cause issues, especially if you have an out-of-state lender that doesn't actually do follow-up checks on your credit until after closing, yeah. sometimes a week, sometimes a month after. I haven't had that issue sudden, yet. Yeah, uh, I was hearing the nightmare stories at the title company. They were telling me about that. Oh, really? Yeah. You yeah. know, so they're telling... They're telling people, you know, well, the title company isn't, but, you know, the um, <clears throat> lenders and stuff are saying, don't, don't do anything for at least 30 days after the transaction. You yeah. know, that, that seems to be the buffer now because a lot, of these, uh, uh, a lot of these lenders now, there's a lot of defaults happening. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see a lot more foreclosures out here. Are you? you know, yeah. Uh, uh, w- which... I kind of thought was going to happen because uh, uh, I did see some foolishness going on during the the, the heat of all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I jumped in, transactions were happening super quick. People, uh, realtors were just taking cell phone photos of a property yep. listing, and the property was was selling immediately. And all of those those uh, licensees that were doing that, they're no longer in the business now because things got tough mm-hmm. and they didn't establish the habits to... Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, I mean, I digress. Uh, the, the, the big thing was that uh, um, you're seeing <clears throat> back then super easy transactions. People that shouldn't have qualified for certain loans were getting qualified. I know for a fact that just after COVID, you had guys working at McDonald's that were qualifying for $350,000 home loans because the interest rates were low. Mm. And I was like, this is a recipe for disaster because that's not a profession where those guys stay there for 20, 30 years. Well, it's even on a different note, the the low interest rates really hurt the future of the market a little bit because that's Mm -hmm. why we're seeing such a low inventory right now. Nobody's wanting to sell because they have to leave their their 2.5% interest home to get into a you know, upper five right now. Right. And even if they need to, they're just making what they have work until something else happens. And that's why nobody out there is really selling. It's part of the reason, I believe. That's yeah, what I'm saying. We, even us, because we could, you know, my family, we can definitely use a, a little bit of an upgrade yeah. as we're growing. And we're like, we got that really good. Pay, our payment's great. And uh, my wife is, it's, it's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be a hard time selling a house for her. And uh, yeah, I, I think um, some of the sure sales right now are um, like uh, people that are looking at snowbirding or mm-hmm. leaving for the lower 48. You yeah, know, uh, a lot of my clientele are moving here or retiring and, and leaving. 
Yeah, yeah that's you know, a lot of my clientele. Uh, my wife Amy and I were looking at uh, uh, some properties in North Carolina, mm. and you know you're looking at three bedroom, two and a half bath, uh, you know, 2,800 square foot homes with swimming pools for two seventy five. You know, <coughs> yeah, <laughs> three hundred thousand. I have uh, <laughs> a, I have a lot of well, I have a lot of friends that are realtors out in the states, and uh, yeah. one of them in particular, she's a um, a realtor in the in Missouri, uh, outside of St. Louis, I think St. Joe area, mm-hmm. and she's constantly posting all these homes out there, sub hundred, and I'm like, I mean, they're smaller homes, granted, and everything, but like, man, I can't, we can't find that out here, no. and that's the thing, a lot of people don't realize people that. Looking about, for it up here, they're looking. They're well, getting. a lot of people coming up here don't understand that we're actually, such, you know, we're not a cheap place to live. No, our homes. Especially the last two years have almost you know gained forty percent or more in value in some areas, right? And uh, you know, cost of living is more expensive up here than people aren't prepared for. It, it's really tough to get excited about out-of-state buyers coming up here because they don't understand fully, and sometimes they just realize that once they come up here that it's just too much for them and they have to leave again. Yeah, I um, I had a meeting with a a, a new builder. Uh, with, trying to do this transaction and this new builder he's a it's a husband and wife team here in the valley and they're they're their claim to fame is affordable new homes right mm-hmm. uh, they look beautiful but they're, they're typically uh, 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 five hundred thousand or less yeah you know uh, you can get you can get a three bedroom two bath from them for you know one car garage brand new for like three hundred thousand from them but the problem is uh, uh, land right mm-hmm. now. Uh, a big chunk of that uh, they're finding as they're hunting for land, the days of ten thousand dollar lots is they're, is they're gone. pretty much gone. Yeah, yeah. unless you want it the further away you go, but right? Further away is less amenities and yeah. You know, they, you're looking at a you know you can go out as far as Willow and you're still seeing properties forty five thousand for a lot. Yep. You know? Yeah. 43, 44, 45, 150,000 for a lot. But, mm-hmm. you, know, you got those beautiful views. And I just there, saw yeah. a five-acre lot on the listing last night. I think in, um, I think it was in Wasilla, 340,000. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, uh, I, it's a I beautiful feel, lot, though. Yeah, it's they're beautiful, beautiful lots, lot. but, man, that price is just, I, I don't feel comfortable with those prices. Yeah. I mean, but then again, you know, uh, I'm not in the market to build a mansion on that, you know, because mm-hmm. if you're going to pay three fifty, you got to put at least a million dollar home on that. Yeah, at least you can't be rolling. <laughs> the area that it's in, it would yeah. justify that for definitely. Yeah, you ain't putting a a, a side by side on the three hundred and fifty thousand dollar lot, you know. Yeah, um, and it's interesting too. We have a a lot of these little island. Well, by definition, they're islands uh, mm. that sell all the time out here with residences and cabins on them and stuff. Yeah. I always found that interesting. Uh, we were looking at the one that's right across from the title company here. That thing sold multiple times. Mm. And uh, uh, that, that one's interesting because you don't just buy that particular island. You don't just buy the island. You have to buy the parking uh, the parking um, area oh, right. on the like shore the side. Ramp. Yeah, the boat ramp. You have to buy that as well. It is come, it all yeah. in the same transaction? Or? Uh, I, I think it's multiple transactions, oh, wow. but you have no choice but to, yeah. to buy the two because one feeds the other, mm-hmm. essentially. And, and, and if anything else, for convenience as yeah. well, because you know you're going. 
it's the closest distance. In theory, I wouldn't recommend it, but in theory, you could swim to this thing. It's not far. Yeah. It really isn't, but uh, uh, you could kayak to it. That's a cold swim right there. That's a cold swim in Alaska. (laughs) But, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting places like that. And then, um, you know, for the lower 48 guys that listen to this podcast, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see that is a bargain, because uh, a lot of a lot of my buyers want they want a minimum of an acre with no neighbors. Mm-hmm. I'm like, not possible anymore unless you go rural, and those places require aircraft access or snow machine access. There's no roads, so when you see you know some remote cabin, your dream cabin, that there's no neighbors around. Yeah. You know there's bears walking up to your cabin. You know there's also no plumbing. There's no plumbing. <laughs> yeah. You have to bring in all your gas. You have to bring in all your water. Uh, you're probably using solar panels or something else, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to take an aircraft out there, or you have to take a snow machine out there. There's no road system access, and you're going to see that there, you're. When you see a beautiful property out here, you got to look at the details of the listing. Yep. It's a no roadway, uh, no roadway access. That's why I always, you know, I crap on Zillow listings all the time because a lot of the Zillow listings don't inform them of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you get your. All my clients, I feel like at one point or another, no matter how many times I tell them, hey, don't use that. Use the MLS. Use my website. Use you know, use our brokerage's website to do your searches. Redfin, Zillow, it's just super easy. Yeah. Or Realtor.com, it's super easy. So they get on there, and then there's so much information that's lapsing in there. That's why you always have to, you know, uh, we recommend you always have a realtor because mm-hmm. we're the ones that are going to go in the background and look at the documents and look at the disclosures. And, yeah, I can't say how many times you know. a, a buyer client has sent me listings through a text and a Zillow link, and I look it up. I'll look, open the link, and like uh, something looks a little different here. Yeah, I'll go into the MLS, and sure enough, it's either not for sale or it's uh, already pending or sold. Or yeah. my favorite is pre-foreclosure. Like, right, right. You can't really. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite one to try to discuss with them. Yeah. Like, and then you got to explain to them whether it's pre-foreclosure or if it's short sale. You know, uh, short sales typically there's multiple lenders. It's uh, not. It's not. It's short not a, sale does not mean quick. No, it does not. Yeah. Uh, any offer you make, any amendments you make to the offer throughout the transaction has to be approved by multiple parties. Mm-hmm. It's not just one. You know, it's just, and their timelines do not. Are your no. timelines not their priority? No, not even a little bit. Yep. And especially if you're dealing with two out-of-state lenders, because mm-hmm. in a scenario, uh, one scenario would be a, a person they, you know, down on their luck, they lost their job or whatever. Now they can't make payments. Unfortunately, they bought the house during the low interest rate, so they ended up getting a second mortgage when you know the prices of the value of homes was skyrocketing mm-hmm. during that time because of low inventory. So they get their mortgage, you know, their second mortgage. Now they're in a short sale situation. Uh, the primary mortgage lender and the secondary mortgage lender both get a say in the transaction. Yeah. And in a in a nightmare scenario, both of those lenders are out of state lenders, massive banks where you don't have a rep, mm-hmm. a dedicated rep that you're speaking to throughout the transaction. Yep. You're speaking to these multiple people, and yeah, nightmare. Yeah, absolute nightmare. It is. Yeah. So. You know, we, uh, managing expectations there, you know, uh, a lot of people 
are looking for things to invest in right now. Uh, I saw, you know, we call this uh, uh, comics and cribs, right? Your your largest investment you're ever going to make in your life is going to be a a house. Mm -hmm. Second is your, your vehicle. And we're seeing where people are starting to invest in tangibles, right? They're uh, trading cards, comic books, shoes, uh, shoes. Yeah. the basketball shoes blew up. Yeah, it did. You know, uh, and then random collectibles like uh, uh, I watched, uh, I think it was the, um, the glasses that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wore during uh, uh, one of his championship games. Oh, really? Uh, he signed a couple of them, and one of those went up for auction. Starting bid was like thirty-five thousand dollars. You know, just insane. for a pair of glasses, right? Yeah. Um, comic books. You know, you're looking at a eh, hundred bucks is considered a lot for a comic book, but then you have like Action Comics, the first appearance of Superman. That's a three point four million dollar comic book. Mm-hmm. First appearance of Spider Man, Amazing uh, Fantasy fifteen. That book right now is $3.6 million in a graded nine. So let me ask, so what is the odds of, say, somebody just going to some estate sale or yard sale and someone coming across a comic that's worth, you know, six figures or greater or some, some type of super amazing find? Like, what are the yeah. odds of that nowadays? I don't know what the odds are. I know that it is possible. I know that uh, we've had several uh, uh, people that have come to the shop that, purchased a home from an elderly couple, went in the crawl space, and there was all these long boxes full of uh, old comic books, Golden Age, Bronze Age, so, mm-hmm. so forth. It does happen, but the tragedy is a lot of times those books are thrown out or sent to the thrift stores. Mm. I guess I know or, where I'm going after here. Yeah, you go to the <laughs> thrift store. Get a thrift store. Yeah, uh, Goodwill, uh, um... Bishop's Attic, th- those are great places to yeah. find books. The only problem is that the people that work there don't know anything about comic books, so they'll put the <laughs> price tags right on, on the it. books. Oh, so then you have to learn how to peel them off and stuff. But, uh, uh, yeah, so there is a possibility of finding books in the wild, mm-hmm. uh, as we call it. Um, it's the same with cards and everything That's else, another right? thing that's coming back. I'm happy that trading cards are coming back. It's, uh, it's oh, been yeah. awesome. I started getting my old collection out and taking a look at it again. Baseball and hockey cards. Well, I think a a, a lot of that explosion happened because people don't trust the the financial systems. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of guys want you know they don't want to leave their money in the bank, especially with these banks going bankrupt. Yeah, a bank going bankrupt ain't that crazy? (laughs) And you know, in California, for instance, that tech bank. Yeah, uh, uh, um, how to get bailed out and stuff, so people don't trust that. You know, they uh, but they can trust stuff like this. You know. uh, um, Fantastic Four, uh, number one. There's certain books that are called blue chip books. And the blue chippers are the ones, those are like your main books. Mm. Action comics, uh, detective comics, uh, uh, was it 47, I believe, first appearance of, uh, of Batman and Robin, you know. Those types of books. So we'll go to Fantastic Four, for instance. Even with, I think, like five movies now, all bomb movies that really didn't do well, typically that would affect the price of the source material. Mm. With them, it never does. That's the first family of Marvel. That's Jack Kirby, Stanley's baby. That's that's, uh, 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 
that's a that's a book that keeps climbing slowly in value, never loses value, right? But then you'll have a a book that comes out like we had a book called Scalped that came out, and that book had skyrocketed in value because it uh, they were getting ready to use it as the new storyline that was going to replace Sons of Anarchy. Mm. Uh, Scalped is a, a a storyline of a, of organized crime on an Indian reservation. So this all of a sudden became super popular. This is going to hit. It's going to be on FX. People are going to love it. And then... Never happened? No. The director, I think, or the creator, uh, ended up sexually harassing somebody or something else. And they canceled the production, and that was it. All of a sudden, everyone that bought that book, it lost all its value yeah but that's not a blue chip book that's a book that came out in the last you know probably in the last uh 10 15 years doesn't hold its value Mm. but you get these other blue chip books like i mentioned prior those books hold their value i mean people have used those books as collateral for real estate transactions with their banks oh really i hadn't heard of that yeah in california you see it a lot like in southern california guys will bring to the bank hey Here's my graded first appearance of Wolverine. It has a value of $35,000. And I'm like, well, okay, well, we'll hold that. And uh, we'll hold that as collateral. You know, it, it usually works more with the bigger books, like the AF-15s mm. and action comics and stuff. But yeah, because they look at it and they're like, okay, uh, that's a multi-million dollar book. That if, now granted, uh, I, they're not doing that 80% collateral or whatever it is where where they say okay well we'll loan you out to 80 percent of the yeah. value or something i'm sure it's a lot smaller i bet you it, to protect themselves it's probably like 40 percent or 50 yeah. percent but that's still significant when you have something in your hands that's worth three million dollars oh definitely and the bank feels it's a safe uh, bet because uh with comic books in particular well comic books trading cards uh they can actually uh, auction those off at heritage auctions. Mm. So at, in that heritage auction, uh, which is a major auction house, those guys, <laughs> they have access to the largest uh, buyers on the planet. You know? And they, they typically charge 30% uh, commission worthwhile because they, you know, once again, they have access to the guys with the big pockets. Yeah. You know? When some Saudi Arabian guy buys Action Comics 1 for $13 million, which is actually the highest sale of the book, but it didn't really affect the, uh, uh, the value of uh, books, of the book as, oh, because that was kind of like an a uh, uh, anomaly sale. The guy was just basically flexing because he's a Saudi prince and he can spend $13 million on something. It wasn't a reasonable purchase. It was an obnoxious purchase. But still, that's $13 million that, you know, he threw down on something like that. So the bank sees stuff like that and they're like, okay. And uh, heritage auctions can facilitate a sale like that because they're a trusted auction house, right? So Mm -hmm. they, they they can attract the attention of a Saudi prince and stuff. And once again, the the banks uh, the banks that allow these collectibles as uh, uh, as collateral on transactions, they know that as well, and they have relationships with these auction houses and whatnot. So yeah, in some cases, uh, like a blue chip book like that would hold more value than most homes. You know. <coughs> yeah, that's uh, that's cool to learn. I hadn't heard about that. Thirteen million. That's insane. Yeah, that's awesome. he did that as a flex. So oh, it, yeah. it was all over YouTube, and uh, I think it, would, it it hit the national news for a little bit. You know, people 
watching this guy. He just did it just to do it. He had this little vault there, and there was that <laughs> Action Comics one. And I think he bought the one that Nicolas Cage owned. Cause, uh, oh, really? Nicolas Cage, uh, back in the day, wanted to play Superman. And he, as, he, I don't he had know, to settle for Ghost Rider? Yeah, yeah. He literally, uh, there, there's actual pictures online of him uh, uh, trying to do, you know, like a practice, uh, uh, you know, a... Uh, um, uh, I forgot what it's called, but essentially he <clears throat> he he tried out like re- oh, a rehearsal, uh, audition. an audition, yeah. so to speak, and uh, uh, they thought it was going to happen. It didn't. He's a major Superman fan, like major, and he owned Action Comics one as part of his collection, wow. and in a very high grade, and it was stolen, and then it was recovered again. I think in San Diego, but. That book now has made its way around the elite, and here it is. Now. You know, when uh, Nicholas Cage bought it, I think it was like eight hundred thousand. Uh, when he uh, finally resold it, it was over a million dollar value, and now here it is. The, the fair market value for that book is three point three point two, three point four million. With once again, that the that anomaly, crazy yeah. yeah, the anomaly sale of thirteen million, but that just tells you that's a comic book, and it, it's such a major book. I mean, uh, uh, we just had like a congressman or something for the lower forty eight uh, take his oath not on the Bible. He took his uh, oath on Superman number one. I thought, you know, I thought I heard something. I didn't <clears throat> read about it. But I thought I heard something about that. Yeah. So it turns out that the uh, Library of Congress, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the Library of Congress? It's the, the famous library in, um, I think that's in the Capitol. I think it's library. They have all those books. They have their own copies of those mm-hmm. books that they maintain. So, yeah, they, one of the books that they had in their possession was that book. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy, cool. huh? That is. That's really cool. Yeah. So it, um, it's funny how um, investments take different take different forms yeah. but depending on a safe investment that's why you gotta use a realtor folks you know when, you make, <laughs> yeah. when you're making a real real estate investment uh, uh, the uh, DIY or sell you know sell by owners and stuff that's always a recipe for disaster if things they can be off. people it can, can be. pull it off definitely they my can. brother-in-law is one of those he's also mm-hmm. the one where he wants to just do it all himself buying right. or selling um, one thing I got to let you know, as a buyer, you're not necessarily paying to be represented by a realtor in a transaction. Right. Usually, typically, now every state's a little bit different, but up here, the listing agent or the seller agrees to a commission to pay out to the, the person who brings a buyer to them and, and helps facilitate the transaction that way. It, it's always a good idea to have someone representing you. Right in these transactions, these are such important and expensive transactions. That it's almost foolish to not have somebody help you. It's uh, yeah, it's not, it's not that easy. And a lot of people are starting to learn that, especially now as they, you know, these multi-offer situations, the uh, inspections that no one really understood, mold issues, how to get those remediated. We're not just here to help you with your transaction to help you find the house and then sell it. We're also the, the resource for everything else that's related to. To real estate, you know, right. your handyman, your we know who to work with, who not to work with. It's, it's it's so much more in depth that you, as just a general consumer, don't really understand. Yeah, it's uh, uh, 
you try not to, you know, they always say, you know, uh, only a fool would be their own attorney. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's kind of the same with these real estate transactions, these yeah. major transactions, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, well, moving forward here, uh, as we go to wrap this up, our, our, our first episode, uh, we can be contacted via our website. So I'm going to have a link. Yeah. To all our stuff in the description. Uh, you're on Instagram, right? And, I am, yeah. Uh, 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 what, what's your tag on Instagram? Oh, man, you're going to make me look stuff up now. I think it's uh, Kevin Grind Realtor 1 for my Instagram handle. Okay. Or my Facebook is KB Grind. That's K B G R E I N is the tag there. And I've been calling you green the whole time when it's It grind. happened. In my whole life, I've been a color. Oh, so my it's God. All right. So it's grind. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, for me, it's always been knives or nueves. <laughs> so I've either been a, a, an actual weapon or a, 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 or a number nine. Yeah. <laughs> when, in fact, my last name means snow in Spanish. So oh, really? Yeah. So my last name's actually supposed to be Archuleta. Um, my, my, <laughs> I get that reaction all the time. My, my dad, when he was young, his parents split up, and um, he stayed with my grandma. And uh, she remarried and just gave my dad that name but never legally changed it. Oh. And so we've been going my grind. My dad, my dad's been going my grind the whole time, and um, it's legally not his name. And he's he's a retired law uh, LAPD officer. And, oh wow! Uh, they found it in the '80s, but they said, "Well, you've been doing it for so long; it's fine." But now in today's, they try and get a real ID. He's having issues. He's got to legally change his name now. Wow! But yeah, so my last name's supposed to be Archuleta, and then I just have this name by default, by default. now. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, we, uh, do you have any events coming up at all, or, uh, any uh, open at the, or anything? At the moment, no. I'm, I'm, I have a listing out in Sky Ranch, which is a gated community with the airstrip. It's right on the airstrip right now, and I'm thinking about having a little event there in the next nice. week or two. So I'll keep you posted, and we can get it out to the people who wants to come. Yeah, perfect. It's a beautiful house, 4,300 square feet. It's recently redone, and. It's and amazing. you can have aircraft at that particular yeah, lot. At, at right? this particular lot, you can either have, there's no hangar now, but there is a spot for a hangar to build if you want, or you can have a tie, there's a room for two tie downs, according to the association. So okay. you're, this lot, you're allowed to be, you know, have your plane and everything on there, and you're right on the runway. It's your backyard, so it's beautiful views, gorgeous master suite. Oh, I so love this home. Like, I, I would in a heartbeat, again, but can't convince the wife. Right, right, right. <laughs> can't right, convince right. the wife, yeah. 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 Okay. How about you? You got anything coming up? Uh, from the uh, 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 real estate side, we're just, uh, I have buyers right now looking for properties. They're looking, uh, one is looking for a, uh, 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 she is looking for a condo in uh, South Anchorage with a budget of uh, no more than 295 Unfortunately, all the ones that pop up in that price range go into multi-family. Yep. But she, she's a great buyer, man, so I'm trying to get her hooked up. She's a first-time buyer, but squared away. Uh, good career field, the whole nine. Good buyer, safe mm -hmm. buyer. Then I have another buyer, young couple, that's looking for property uh, out here in the valley, and they're, they're looking in the uh, 300000 range. Young couple just out of the military, so not big budget. Yeah, you know, and they, they've got a, a VA. Kids that's an amazing VA, yeah. program. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but now finding a property in that price range. So we have this new construction uh, a builder that uh, tends to meet those. You know, he can do so uh, uh, where 
maybe there's no garage. You know, they can leave room for expansion for a mm-hmm. garage in the future, but at least you know you, you can get into your brand new home turnkey. You know, yeah. in that price range, it's so great finding people that, that actually care about the community and getting people into homes. Everybody should be able to have a home. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. So yeah, that and then uh, from the comic book side, I've got uh, paint night events. You know, people can charter, do team building here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we just had one here. That was great. Yeah, yeah. That, my wife's the hospital came for lab week, and that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, we've got one tomorrow. Uh, we've got uh, Sonia Bits with uh, 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 this Saturday. Uh, uh, she is an artist that just uh, came down here from. Um, Northway area, if I recall, and uh, she's relocated to the Eagle River area, and then she's going to be doing a Wonder Woman coffee theme oh, wow. paint uh, paint day and paint night tomorrow. That's awesome. And then uh, we've got uh, the May the Four the Fourth be with you Star Wars theme next I'm, Thursday. I've, my wife and I have already checked our calendar. We, we're rearranging some things, so hopefully nice. we can come to that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Star Wars guy myself. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh yeah, we even got the little Grogu. Pops yeah, I, I was there. looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, uh, that Saturday, so next Saturday, we're going to have a free comic book day. And free comic book day is a national event among all comic book shops. It was, called, it was created by the, the uh, uh, comic book industry back in the 80s to essentially try to recruit and re- revitalize the, the hobby by recruiting kids mm-hmm. into, into the hobby, right? And so as a result, we hand out free comic books. It's the first Saturday in May annually. It's been going on for over 20 years now. So uh, this is going to be our third or fourth one. So uh, uh, that's you come in. If you come in costume, cosplay, you get extra books. You know, we'll have door prizes and everything else. We make it a fun day here. Right on. So, yeah. But that's pretty much it, man. So, uh, guys, please make sure to... Uh, uh, Share this podcast with your friends and family. This is the uh, Comics and Cribs podcast uh, with uh, Kevin Grind and, and your boy here, Lou. And uh, we look forward to more episodes here. Yeah, I can't wait. This a blast. Uh, 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 as regularly as possible. Yeah. And uh, uh, make sure to check out our sponsor right now, which is Popple. Uh, and there'll be details and the link for Popple. Basically, it's the electronic uh, business card. Uh, they sponsor all of our podcasts here, and uh, it is an alternative to the paper, to to, to, to the paper card. Yeah. You know? yeah. So take a look at that, and uh, hopefully we'll have more sponsors and more stuff to talk about uh, next episode. Yeah. Send in some comments. If you have any questions about real estate in Alaska or anywhere? We can. Uh Address that at whenever you want. All right, guys. Well, thank you, and have an awesome rest of the take weekend. Care. Yeah, take care.